Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Real people. Real crimes. Real life drama. Kayla Brown is a very good friend of mine. She's really a wonderful person. She always wants to please people. One day, Kayla met Charlie at her mom's work, and she thought, oh, wow. That's a sharp-looking man. She said that this was different, that they had a love that went beyond anything superficial. She moved in with Charlie. I found out they were missing on Labor Day weekend. It was on the Sunday right before the Monday of Labor Day. After searching for her for two months, handing out flyers, doing everything we could do, my friends would ask me, do you think Kayla is dead? And I would tell them, unfortunately, I think there's a 99.9% chance that she probably is. I then got a text message from another good friend of mine, and she says, Dan, have you heard the news about Kayla? That's when my stomach just sank right there. I said, oh my gosh. I texted her back, what is it? And they said, they found Kayla, she's alive. We were serving the search warrant for this missing persons. And we can hear the girl yelling for help inside this container. I said, get that lady out. I don't care what you have to do. Investigators discovered Brown chained up like a dog inside of a metal storage container on Colop's rural South Carolina property. She was bound. There was a chain from the top of the cage to something else that went around her neck. Obviously, she was distraught, panicked. 
when I walked into the hospital, I was then directed into this small private waiting room. Then the door opens and Kayla's right there and we embrace and I give her a hug. It was an incredible moment because I admit, deep down, I was thinking I was never gonna see her again. And I'm now holding her. And it's, it's going through my mind, how is this happening? When did you first hear the name Todd Kolop? I first heard the name Todd Kolhep nearly two years ago. He owned his own real estate agency. She told the police that she saw Todd Kolop shoot her boyfriend, Charlie Carver. And she said Todd went around the corner and when he came back, pulled out a gun and shot Charlie three times in the chest, right in front of her. Kolhep was arrested Thursday after 30-year-old Caleb Brown was rescued. And he said, can I talk to my mom before anything starts being said? I'm sorry, Mom. Did he cry? Mm-hmm. His eyes looked horrible. They were bulging out of his face. And they were red. Todd is not a monster. He's never been a monster. He's not even close to it. He did some bad things, but a monster? No. Ted Mundy, I'd call a monster. But Todd, he wasn't doing it for enjoyment. He was doing it because he was mad and he was hurt. We were looking for two people that reported missing. We had no idea it was gonna turn into this incredible thing that it did. He said, I've got something big for you. And then that's when it all started. Tonight on 48 Hours, Buried Truth. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Woodruff, South Carolina, where the scene is here. Moore, where Todd Kolb's residence is. Anderson, where Kayla Brown and Charles Carver came from. Spartanburg, Greenville. These are typical 
small southern towns, home to high school football and Sunday dinners after church. One thing they are not, says Michael Burns, reporter for the Greenville News, are places known as stomping grounds for serial killers. It's left the community frustrated, confused, angry, and, and more than anything, I think, scared. This bizarre and frightening story began last Labor Day weekend. 30-year-old Kayla Brown and her 32-year-old boyfriend, Charles David Carver, went missing near Spartanburg. Charles David Carver is my son. He is my firstborn. Joanne Shiflett. He could bring a smile to the saddest person. He loved to laugh. He loved making people laugh. He, he loved his little sister. Charlie Carver operated a printer at a local business. His father, Chuck, says he was a gentle soul. He never hurt anybody. He would give you the shirt off his back or the last $2 in his pocket. That was just the guy. He was. But Charlie's personal life was a bit complicated. He was separated from his wife, Nikki, when he moved in with Kayla Brown, and emotions were running hot. I warned her. I said, Kayla, you're dealing with a married couple here. Dan Heron once dated Kayla's mother and knows Kayla well. She's a very close friend of mine. Only days after the couple was reported missing, Heron began noticing that someone was leaving cryptic messages on Facebook pages that belonged to Kayla and Charlie. They indicated the couple had gotten married, bought a house, and were just fine. There are many theories out there. Some are as wild as you can imagine. It was a tantalizing lead, but it soon faded and nothing was heard from the couple until November 3rd. That's when Kayla was found chained inside of a container on this isolated property in Woodruff, South Carolina. It's owned by a local realtor named Todd Kohlhepp. I got there in six minutes. That was 25 minutes away and I made it in six. Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright and his deputies were nearly overwhelmed by what they found. This was a shipping container, right? Yes, sir. And a cage inside that container? Yes, sir. W what type of cage? I would describe it. It looked like a shark cage that you would see when they put under the water. And when your investigators opened the door to that shipping container, she was inside of that cage? Yes, sir. Was she clothed? Yes, sir. And chained? She was uh, bound. Bound. Describe that. She, she was just bound. That's about all I can give you at this point. There was a chain from the top of the cage to something else that went around her neck. Kayla knew Todd Kola. She had done some cleaning for his real estate business. Her boyfriend, Charlie Carver, went with her to Kolop's secluded property just before the couple went missing. What did Kayla tell your deputies about what happened to Mr. Carver? She said she witnessed him being shot. I asked her before she got on the ambulance, may I, may I put my hand on her shoulder and pray with her? And she said, yes, you can. Now, instead of prayer, Thanksgiving. As Kayla was being rescued, deputies were arresting Kolop at his nearby home. Kayla was reunited with her mother and Dan Heron and began to share details about her nightmare. She goes, I was locked up in this metal container. He had chains around my neck 
and I was in the dark almost the entire time. Todd would take her out of there from time to time to let her at least kind of walk around, see some daylight. Did Kayla say if Todd fed her? Yeah, she said that he fed her once a day. Did she say whether she was physically or sexually abused? No, she didn't. Did you ask? No, there are some questions you don't want to ask and maybe even you don't even want to know the answer to. Dan says Kayla told him escaping was impossible. Her words were, and then Todd dragged me over to a, somewhere on the property where he showed me three graves that had to be, or that appeared to be people buried in them. And Todd said to her, Kayla, if you try to escape, you're going directly into one of those graves. Todd Kolop said he was willing to talk but he asked if the sheriff could accommodate what was essentially three wishes. He asked me to do a few things. He said, would you please take a special uh, picture to my mom? I said, yes, be happy to. He said, can you allow me to transfer some money um, to help a young girl, that's a, um, the daughter of a great friend of mine, to help her for college? And I said, no problem. And he said, can I talk to my mom before anything starts being said? I said, yes, that's fine. Kolop wanted his mother, Regina Tague, to hear what happened from him. She wanted to tell us about her son. I want to say something to the people that have been hurt. I want the world to know that he's, he's not a bad person. He's a good person. Kolop shared the details of his alleged crimes with his mom. Why did he chain that girl up? because he didn't know what to do at that point. She saw, evidently saw him kill the other, the, the, her boyfriend. And he didn't know what to do with her. He couldn't turn her loose. She'd go get the police. So he chained her up. Mm -hmm. And tried to make her as comfortable as possible. And it, he, he had a dilemma. Did he abuse her? No, he said he did not. He promised me and believed me, he would have told me. What did he do to take care of her? He brought her food and water and drink. He brought her something to lay on. And we didn't go into great detail. Except that I, I, I can't imagine her being in there for two months. And I wanted to know how sorry I am. And I think Todd is too, because he didn't want to hurt her. He just didn't know what to do. Why did he kill her boyfriend? Because he got nasty and got smart mouth, and Todd had hired him to, to do some stuff, and Todd pays well. And the guy got mouthy about it, and from what I gathered, said some smart things to Todd, and I guess Todd shot him. Is that how your son handled his anger? He just killed people when they mistreated him? Never before. The investigation is ongoing, and details about abuse and exactly what happened to Kayla in captivity have not been released. It seems almost surreal at this point, but just a few weeks ago, Todd Kolop was considered a success. He did his job super good. 
I, you know, I just made him around town. I mean, he, he did his job very well. I mean, he was a good realtor. If you wanted to buy a house to see someone you'd have called? Well, heck yeah, I would have. <laughs> this guy you know, knew exactly what he was doing. He's very smart. Kolop was not married, lived in a nice home, and owned a nearly 100-acre property where Kayla was found. He drove a BMW and had a pilot's license. When Kolop started talking, there was no lawyer present. The sheriff says he confessed there were three bodies buried on his property. I bring sad news to you uh, tonight about the uh, uh, Charles uh, David Carver. He is deceased. But Kolop wasn't done confessing, far from it. The next story he told shocked the sheriff to his core. Kolop told of a mass murder he'd conducted, an infamous cold case that Wright had been trying to solve for 13 years. But was Kolop telling the truth or just giving the sheriff something he wanted to hear? Hear from those who knew a successful Todd Kolop. Join us on Facebook at 48 Hours. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. It is one of the most notorious unsolved murder mysteries in South Carolina's history. Four people shot execution style at Superbike Motorsports in Chesney. A brutal crime that baffled police for over a decade was now being claimed by Todd Kolhep. But back in the day, investigators had a very different suspect in mind, this woman. It's still sometimes hard for me to believe that this is my story, this is my late husband's story, that this is us sitting here talking about it. It all began one cold November morning in 2003. Melissa Ponder was seven weeks pregnant and still asleep when her husband Scott left for work at the motorsports dealership, their family business. Hours later, he would call to check in. What were the last words he said to you? He said, okay, I will see you later. I love you, bye. Sometime after 2 p.m., Scott Ponder, his mother Beverly, his service manager and close friend Brian Lucas, and his mechanic, Chris Sherbert, were all hard at work at the bike shop when someone gunned them down. Where's your emergency? It's at a Superbike Motorsports. Okay, what's the problem? Apparently, everybody's been shot up here. Four murders committed in a matter of seconds, ending for Melissa a picture-perfect marriage. What is it about Scott Ponder that you fell in love with? 
I felt like he was genuine, was spontaneous. I was happy. I was pregnant, sicker than a dog, but I was so excited about it. He was able to go to my first ultrasound on Tuesday and was murdered on Thursday. Terry Guy was Scott's stepfather. He lost Scott and his wife. You wake up one morning, kiss your wife, tell her you love her and go to work. You just take it for granted you're going to see her that afternoon. Just a split second, your whole world's just turned completely upside down. Lorraine and Tom Lucas lost their son, Brian. I was real proud of him. He's just a good person. Uh, Anybody that needed help and they asked him, he would do it. He got married. He had two children, two sons. He was a wonderful father. And I have heard from people that they say he was the best mechanic around. Early on in the investigation, a witness reported seeing a man in the bike shop not long before the murders. And to the best of your recollection, you've never seen this face? No. Police thought it was strange that nothing had been taken from the bike shop. This was not a robbery gone bad. So police did what they always do. He was killed on Thursday. They full-on questioned me on Sunday. What they wanted was to know everything about her relationship with her husband, Scott. I gave them any cards and love letters that we had sent back and forth. I mean, they, they saw it all. But that wasn't enough. I was polygraphed, and I was asked the very serious questions of, did you kill your husband, Scott Ponder? Did you plan the murder of your husband, Scott Ponder? And your answers were always... Oh, absolutely not, no. Seven months later, Melissa gave birth to a son. That birth overshadowed any type of of sadness that I had felt through this. I got to hold a piece of him again. I had his flesh and blood with me. It's indescribable. She named him Scotty after his father. How long after the birth did, did the police come back? My son was six months old. I get a phone call one day. We need you to come down to the dealership. Don't bring the baby with you. We need to talk to you. What Melissa didn't know is that police had gotten an anonymous tip that Scott was sterile. Police suspected Melissa was having an affair and wanted Scott out of the picture. They they proceeded to tell me that we took a diaper that you threw away here a couple weeks ago and sent it off to have a DNA test done. The problem is it doesn't match up with your husband's DNA. Your six-month-old son, his DNA doesn't match Scott, your husband. Correct. And I immediately said, no way. There's no way what? There's, there's no way that this is not my husband's baby. There's no way. And so I said, I'm going to get my baby. You will swab his mouth in front of me. I will watch you put it in that envelope. You know, I was just, no, no. Melissa returned with the baby, determined to prove she never cheated on Scott and had no reason to want him dead. The notion is a, a potential love triangle. For sure. And a love triangle can create a motive for murder. Correct. And they're wondering if you did the killing or if someone you know. Right. Melissa was sure the second DNA test would prove Scott was the father, but it didn't. He said, 
Melissa, we now have two DNA tests that show Scott Ponder is not the father of your baby. We need you to come clean and we need you to tell us who the father is. And I said, you're trying to pin something on me that has nothing to do with me. This is his baby and I will have his body exhumed right now. That never happened. Police soon admitted they got it wrong. The vial of blood they were testing against the baby's DNA was mislabeled and wasn't actually Scott's. It belonged to Scott's employee, Brian Lucas. Melissa was cleared, but it was too late. The damage was done. The rumors ran rampant. I cannot tell you the things that have been said about me. I know that Scott's grandmother died believing that that was not her own grandson. Melissa Ponder's life had hit rock bottom. Her husband murdered. The family business shut down and her public reputation, the casualty of country gossip. So she decides to pull up stakes and head back here to Arizona. But Melissa wasn't the only one trying to start over. There was another suspect and he was Scott's close friend. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The fast and furious world of superbike motorsports was once the premier pit stop for high-octane thrill-seekers. Anytime I was off work, I would go up there. A lot of us went up there to hang out. It was, uh, it was a good time, a really good time. Noel Lee was a regular at the shop and became friends with Scott Ponder and Brian Lucas. Definitely my closest friends. I would leave there some, on some days. I would say, all right, guys, love you guys. All right, Noel, love you too. And, and, and you know, it was great. But on the afternoon of November 6, 2003, Noel was about to become a key suspect in one of South Carolina's most notorious murders. I pulled in the shop, and when I got out of my car, the first thing I saw was Brian, and he was laying on his back. His arms were straight up with his hands folded in. I saw blood in Brian's mouth, and then the closer I got, I could see Scott laying underneath his mom's car. It was Noel who called 911. It's at a Superbike Motorsports. Apparently, everybody's been shot up here. Everybody's laying down in a pool of blood. 
His mama's been shot. The mechanic's been shot. In the weeks following the massacre, Noel didn't have time to grieve for his friends. Instead, he found himself under the scrutinizing eye of homicide detectives. They uh, fingerprinted me. They dusted my car. I'd taken a lie detector test. Um, I sat through hours and hours and hours of questioning. Like Melissa Ponder, Noel was under a cloud of suspicion. People would just stare at you. And you knew what they were thinking. You knew exactly what they were thinking. It, it just made you sick to your stomach because you knew, you knew you had nothing to do with it. Noel was eventually cleared by police, but is still haunted by the memories of what happened. I know it doesn't look like much now, but uh, back in 2003, this was the place you wanted to be. This is supposed to be a safe place. I was just at the wrong place at the wrong time. But everything changed when Kayla Brown was found chained to that crate, and her captor, Todd Kolop, admitted he was responsible for the superbike murders. 2,000 miles away, Melissa got a phone call. It ended up being one of the detectives that had worked this case. And he said, I have got to talk to you. I need you to be available in an hour. When Detective Anthony LaChica of the Spartanburg County Sheriff's Office called back, Melissa and her family weren't taking any chances. And you guys make a decision to record this phone conversation. And I don't know why we made that decision. I didn't know what was getting ready to come out of their mouth. And You've so been burned before. I and have. You have that recording right here. Right? I do. On your I computer. Do. I do. Let's hear it. Melissa? Yes. Do me a favor? Yeah. Sit down. Okay. We just got a guy who confessed to the superbike killings and gave us details on everything. Are we you, made an arrest. Are you kidding? No. Who is he? His name's Todd Colehip. The detective told Melissa that Colehep admitted to firing a single bullet into the forehead of each of his victims, a fact never released to the public, and something only the killer would know. After all those years, you were finally told who murdered your husband. Right. And it's somebody that didn't even ring a bell with me. Never even heard of the guy. I want to show you now the picture of the suspect, Todd Colehep. I want you to take a look at that and compare it to the original composite. Do you see any similarities? I see the mouth is the exact same. This mouth is curved, a downward U. It's the same here. I can see some similarities for sure. In fact, police knew the name Todd Colehep for years. It had been on a customer list at the bike shop. There was no reason to interview everybody. There was nothing in this gentleman's background that screamed, you know, I did this. But that infuriates Scott's stepfather, Terry Guy. There was a lot of mistakes done. And, you know, the sad part about it is, you know, had they thoroughly checked every person on it, they might have helped ever how many people this gentleman's killed in the last 13 years. Days after his arrest, Todd Kolhep was formally charged with the superbike homicides. 
and for the first time, Tom and Lorraine Lucas came face to face with their son's killer. I was expecting probably to see somebody that had tattoos and earrings and, you know, just mean looking and so forth. And I was just, just staring at him thinking, I, I'm not, I, I just don't get it. I've accepted that it's him. I'm sure it's him. I have the who, but I don't have the why. But someone who does know why is Todd's mother. I asked him if he did it. And he told me, yeah, he did. And I said, why? Because he had always wanted a motorbike. And he didn't know how to ride it. And they made fun of him. They laughed at him, made jokes at him. He was hurt. He lashed out, and it wasn't the first time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before there was Todd Kolop, the man now sitting in jail for multiple murders, there was Todd Kolop, the boy. Even then, says clinical police and forensic psychologist Chris Mahandi, a serial killer in the making. Psychopaths do not just arrive as adults. They demonstrate behaviors in their childhoods and especially in their teen years. And he showed all of that. After reviewing court documents, CBS consultant Chris Mahandi says Todd Kolop was troubled from the age of 15 months. In nursery school, Todd hit other children, destroyed their school projects. He's said to have even shot a dog with a BB gun and used Clorox bleach on a goldfish because he wanted a gerbil instead. As a young child, he was already out of control, already into gratifying his power and dominance needs already comfortable hurting other people. That was the cutest baby there ever was. Conflicted but loyal, Todd's mother remembers a smart boy who liked to read the encyclopedia and sit on her lap while she read the funny papers to him. And he would laugh and he would get tickled and he learned it. But theirs was not a happy home. Regina divorced Todd's father when Todd, an only child, was two. She remarried the following year. According to later psychological reports, Todd did not get along with his stepfather and grew increasingly hostile and abusive. What were the problems you had with him as a child? If he didn't like something I did, he'd find a way to get back at me. One time I did something and he stuffed all the bath towels down the commode and stopped it up and flooded the house. 
Was he becoming unmanageable? Difficult. To where you couldn't control it? I got tired of controlling it. I knew something was wrong inside. Regina put him in therapy, but he only got angrier. She remembers reaching her breaking point when Todd was about 12. She had just bought him a new bedroom set. The next day I came home from work and he had taken a claw hammer to all his new furniture. He had destroyed everything he just bought him. Mm -hmm. He was that angry mm -hmm. at something. That I wouldn't let him go to Arizona. Todd had been wanting to go live with his biological father in Tempe, Arizona. Regina, at her wit's end, says she finally let him go, hoping a male figure would straighten him out. But his disturbing, angry behavior only got worse. What you're talking about is a budding psychopath with antisocial personality characteristics, narcissism. He was impulsive. He thought his needs and wants were more important than everybody else's. A neighbor in Arizona described him as a devil on a chain. He actually locked her son in a dog kennel and rolled it around, then banged his head against clay pipes while her son cried. And Todd Kolob laughed. On November 25th, 1986, Todd Kolob crossed the line. This was the home where the 14-year-old... A young Tempe there. police officer, Betsy Cable, got a frantic call from a young boy in this house. His 14-year-old sister had disappeared. While I was talking to the kids, trying to get some more information, the victim walked in through her back door and was clearly shaken and said, I need to talk to you. The young girl started telling the officer her horrific story, one that began with a door knock. It was her schoolmate and neighbor, 15-year-old Todd Kolob. So this is the back of the 14-year-old girl's home. He lured her outside. So once he got her out in the alley, he put a gun to her head and he walked her back down around this direction to his home. And while he was walking, uh, he actually pulled the trigger and the gun misfired. They got to Todd's home. His father was away. So Todd forced the girl into his bedroom, tied her hands with rope and covered her mouth with duct tape. He placed a knife next to her. He kidnapped her and he raped her. That's the bottom line. At that point, Officer Cable called for backup. Then she approached Todd's house. At first, he wouldn't open the door. But when he did, he had a rifle in his hand. He asked me two questions. One was, what's going to happen to me? The other question was, how much am I going to get? Todd Kolhep charged as an adult pleaded guilty to kidnapping. In exchange, that sexual assault charge was dropped. The troubled teen spent the next 14 years in the Arizona prison system. And when he got out, he moved right back here to South Carolina, started a new life, and eventually bought this home here. I set everything up so that he could be a productive part of our city and that he could enjoy the rest of his life and do what he loved doing. You never gave up on him? No, you don't give up on your kid. You don't do that. You can't. 
By all appearances, Todd Kolop seemed to be getting his life together, but beneath the facade lay the sinister predator of the past. As an adult, Mr. Kolhep learned he'd better conceal who he really is. These psychopaths are good at conning others and playing roles and theatricality. They're not only fooling victims that they're able to gratify their darkest impulses with, but they're also pulling one over on society as well as authorities, and they like that. But nine days ago, the ugly face of Todd Kolop emerged for all the world to see. I wonder what a mother says to a son after he tells her, I killed seven people. Oh, my God. That's what she said. And she experiences hurt that she's never experienced in her life. One man, seven dead, and an endless amount of heartbreak. What do you want to say to the families? That I know how bad they've hurt, and I am so sorry that it was my son that hurt them. Hear more from Todd Kolop's mother on her first TV interview at 48hours.com. Just three days ago, two more families learned the fate of their missing loved ones. One of the decedents is Megan Lee McCraw Coxie. The second decedent's name is Johnny Joe Coxie. 25-year-old Megan and Johnny, 29, had vanished almost a year ago. I just want to know why. I want to know why. Why did he do this? I don't want my daughter to be just a statistic. I want her to be remembered always. Megan and Johnny had been hired by Kolop to do some work on his property. Your son is the definition of what's known as a serial killer. I hate that. With seven bodies finally accounted for, the question on everyone's mind is, are there more out there? I don't know. I do not know. Is there anyone else that Todd may have killed that we don't know about? No. Because I asked. He says, not for me, Mama. Hello? Melissa? Yes. But when police called to tell Melissa Ponder about Kolop's arrest and connection to her husband's murder at Superbike Motorsports, she was told that he had confessed to at least one more shooting. He admitted to shooting somebody in Arizona. Oh my uh, gosh. For now, police have suspended their search of Kolop's property to focus on building their case in order to charge him in the murders of Charlie Carver and Megan and Johnny Coxie. We want to make sure all the evidence is handled properly. Among the evidence is a cache of guns found in Kolop's home. An investigation is underway to determine how a sex offender was able to amass what police are calling an arsenal. Enough to have a hell of a showdown if he wanted. It had a good taste in weaponry. While investigators believe Kolop's confessions are true, they are still looking at every angle of this case. Did investigators determine that Kolhep acted alone? We don't know any of that yet, but we're not gonna close the door. In a strange development this week, Charles Carver's estranged wife, Nicole, 
was arrested on charges of impersonating a law enforcement officer in an attempt to find out where his phone had last been used. Ms. Carver, you've been charged with impersonating a police officer. Carver was released on a $2,500 bond, but police are still trying to determine whether she is connected to Kolop. Sheriff, do you think she may have been more involved than she's telling? If she is my friend, I'm happy to go put handcuffs on her. This investigation is far from over. Exact details about the lives and relationships of Charlie Carver, Kayla Brown and Todd Kolop are still unknown. As for Regina Taig, she says her son told her he is ready to face judgment. Does he have an attorney? He wants someone who will keep him off of death row. This is David dancing with his sister. Oh, this was his wedding? Yes. Chuck Carver and his wife, Julie, are having a hard time letting go of their son, Charlie. They have repeatedly placed flowers at the property where Charlie's body was buried. Seems like it's not real. Everything that's happened. Just keep waiting for him to walk out of the woods. Yes. With a smile. Because he always smiled. Back in Arizona this week, Melissa Ponder and her son Scotty now know the truth. My mom would always explain to me how he just, he was gone. He was in, a, in heaven in a better place. This is him doing motocross. And despite all that Scotty was denied in life by Todd Kolop's crime, he does not want his father's killer to one day be executed. I just really hope he'd be in jail, jail for the rest of his life and die. Like, I just don't want any more people to die. As for Todd Kolop's mother, she says she wishes there was something she could do to alleviate all that pain. And there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change it. I wish to God I could for them as much as me and Todd. Everybody's hurt. He hurt everybody. Todd Kolop now has a public defender. His next court appearance is in January. Kayla Brown continues her recovery and is staying with friends. Charlie Carver will be buried next Saturday on what would have been his 33rd birthday. Take true crime with you on your shirt, mug, or hat with official 48 Hours merchandise at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code HOURS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 48 Hours products with code HOURS20 at ParamountShop.com. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Join me, 48 Hours correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, 
as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.